0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network, where we take a closer look each week at the wide, weird, and wonderful world of running. I'm your host, Jonathan Ellsworth. I'm also the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Off the Couch is presented by CBG Trails, The CBG Trails app is the only complete trail map app of Crested Butte and the Gunnison Valley, Colorado. So download the app today and start exploring. Trail Sisters is a trail running community for women and an online journal that offers tons of great resources, including articles and stories, grants, retreats, directories for female coaches, trail locations and races that meet the trail sisters standards for gender equity and last week brendan leonard and our own maddie hart spoke with gina Lucrezi, the founder of trail sisters brendan and maddie asked gina about the unusual way in which she got into running her impressive accomplishments as a runner all of the really remarkable things that are happening at trail sisters they go into the ways that you can get involved with and support Trail Sisters. And Gina also shares an exciting development for a brand new Trail Sisters project. So let's go ahead and get to Brendan Leonard and Maddie Hart's conversation with Gina Lucrezi.
1: So Gina, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm I'm excited to chat it up with you guys.
1: So you have been doing Trail Sisters since 2016.
2: That is correct.
1: I have a, a number of questions about Trail Sisters just as a way of um, getting people to get to know what it is. Because it's it's actually really, you got a lot going on compared to, well, compared to what I would do. You know, it's like, wow, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff. Um, but I thought I thought we could start a little bit with a sort of history of you as a runner. And as I understand it, your running career kind of Began with like a $5 bet from your mom. Is that true?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I grew up with a lot of energy, and um, I think my mom was happy to have me run it off or just get rid of it. And so we lived in a development where essentially the roads went around and it made a circle into about a mile. And um, I was playing field hockey, and we had to do a time travel of a mile every once in a while. And I do that, and it was fine. I hated it. but we had to do it. And so, you know, she, she had mentioned to me, Hey, you know, if you go outside, you run the mile around the block, i will give you $5. And I know it was to get out of her hair, but I think she also noticed that there's a little bit of, um, talent or ability in there. And it was just a good way to try to pry it out of me. And so I did it, but I felt pretty good. So I took a second lap because I was like, well, I'll take the $10 instead of five. So that's kind of the joke of how it started, but yes.
3: How old were you when you
2: started? Um, I think that was either seventh or eighth grade. I think, because um, it was when I was doing field hockey in junior high. But it was before I could actually um, compete in track and field and cross country and whatnot for high school, which started in ninth grade.
1: Did well, that's quite an upsell. Did she? Was she like <laughs> cool? Yeah, ten bucks. Or was she like no, no, no? That was not the agreement. You get five. <laughs>
2: No, she was actually, she was impressed, actually. And she's like, all right, that's fine. And then I think there was like, well, we're not going to do this every time you go out and do a lap. <laughs> but, but I think she was proud of me to, to, to just kind of go after it and, and find my own. So, but yeah, that was, that was interesting. That's a little different than a lot of people's stories, I think. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, mine wasn't nearly, <laughs> my start was not nearly as lucrative. Still, still hasn't been, but
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I'd take five bucks to run a mile today.
0: Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <That'd be>
3: sweet.
1: <laughs> so and then and then you you uh you ran track and cross country and played field hockey throughout high school?
2: I did. Yeah, I I played field hockey since seventh grade and and you know it's funny, I love running, but I like secretly field hockey is my my favorite thing of all time in terms of a sport. If there was like an adult league out here in Buena Vista, I totally play, but that's definitely not gonna happen because there isn't anything like that out here. But um yeah, I fell in love with that. But then realizing when I did track in ninth grade, I broke our, our mile school record as a freshman. And then the cross country coach had said, Hey, you know, you should really come out for cross country, which is falls in the same season as field hockey, which was fall. And, and I wasn't about to give up field hockey because that's, that was my, you know, passion sport, if you will. Um, and so I actually, I grew up with a pretty, a pretty strong bout of, ADHD. Um, I think at this point I control it fairly decent. Although you'll find out here shortly as I go off on tangents, and you'll be like, "Oh, that's the bright and shiny squirrel." But you know, I we talked to the cross country coach and the field hockey coach, and as long as I'd go do uh, my runs like after field hockey practice, it was okay. And so um, for the next few years, I I did both sports in the fall, and then realized as I got closer to my senior year in cross country. Um that was definitely the dominating sport for me as you can do a lot more uh, as an individual in, in a running event and I actually ended up breaking every single course record that I ran my senior year except for my district course and the state course. Um so I was like okay there might be something there with this running thing so
1: Yeah. So did you did you end up <laughs> breaking your own mile record that you set as a freshman?
3: Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you did you run in college? I did. I
2: did. I went to a, uh, a smaller D3 school. Um, it's called DeSales University. It's based in uh, Center Valley, Pennsylvania or near Allentown. Um, yeah, I went there for a TV film degree and it was great. Came out, did a little bit of that afterwards and shifted gears to doing more sport related things. But while I was there, I ended up graduating or leaving with a D3 NCAA All-American 10 times and was a national champion in the Indoor 1500 one year as well. So running was, was a thing for me, <laughs> to say the least, I guess. That's a ton of
3: uh, all-Americans, dang. I don't think many people can say the same thing. It's a it's a combo
2: of, between cross-country, indoor track, and outdoor track. But, you know, the mile was something I loved, but then I started doing steeplechase, and I still, to the, you know, I could never I could never land in that water pit on one foot I'd always come down with two feet but which if anybody steeplechase that's that's slow that's not great you should you know hit it with one foot and you know step out of it with the other foot but I'd plant both and then I just have to hustle over the barriers to catch up or so I had, a, I had the leg speed but I wasn't a good jumper but I think that two mile distance was probably a better distance for me than um, the actual mile or I should say the 3,000 distance was better than probably the mile distance but um, but then I did the 5K too here and there and um, never in the 10K in college though. I was like, that's way too long. And then sure enough years down the road now, I'm like, yeah, go ultras. <laughs> you know, It's funny how it just changes, but.
3: Yeah. Will you talk a little bit about that transition, like post-college, like what it looked like with how you started, you know, running on trails more and what kind of brought you to ultra running? Yeah. So,
2: um, so finished college then, jumped right into the job world, which was fine. But, you know, he's kind of, I don't know, Um, being a D3 athlete, I actually almost left to go to a D1 school my junior year, because I really wanted to see what it'd be like to be in a bigger program with more resources, more facility, more help, you know, just things like that. Um, And I never did, which was fine. And so I wanted to continue racing at a high level post-college. And for a while I thought about just, you know, roads and track, but I could only go so far there. And so um, I had an in, a graduate internship out here in Colorado Springs, and I had met a woman by the name of Nancy Hobbs, who works with the USA Track and Field um, organization. And then also she's uh, the, the founder and the owner of the um, American Trail Running Association, if you've ever heard of ATRA. And so anyway, I met her through um, a friend and they're like, you should try this trail running stuff. I'd always kind of been interested in it, but I was never really allowed to do it because that, you know, you could twist your ankle a thousand times easier than you could if you were just running on the road, or there's just more obstacles and, and trouble if your body's not used to it. But now that I wasn't in college, nothing mattered in that sense. It's like, all right, I'll give this a shot. So she took me out on my first run in Colorado Springs up this area called, um, or a trail called Section 16. And she kicked my butt and <laughs> she's a bit older than I was and she, much more experienced, but I was this young gun that had just finished, you know, undergrad, 10 time all American, you know, I thought I could do anything and she kicked my butt up this hill. So then I, then I got all flustered and kind of pissed off. (laughs) And I was like, all right, I I can do this. I'm going to get better at it. And then, um, it was just more fun being out on the trails because there's so much more to see and explore. And, um, so that's how I kind of got hooked on trail riding. And then a few years later, um, I jumped over to ultras. And the, the main reason for that, the curiosity was I didn't want to go anaerobic in like, you know, a few minutes where when you grow up running the mile, I mean, or the 800 or you it's before you know it, you're huffing and puffing and you're, you're pooped out and you just start pushing through all that pain. And I thought, wow, this could be really fun. Like these people run really far. Sure. But they go so slow. <laughs> you know, that was my thought, you know, And sure, so I tried it out and man, it's a whole different world of pain and a whole different, you know, style of running or racing. But um, yeah, I I had an attitude with the whole, oh, this should be simple. And it sure as heck wasn't. And then again, curiosity just took me further. But that's, I mean, that's honest truth. I said, oh, how could that be hard? You go really slow for a while. (laughs) Oh
3: man, was I wrong, you know, but that's how you learn stuff. Sometimes it just takes diving in and kind of getting out there and trying it. And I totally get that like first trail run being like, huh, that was way harder than it should have been. And now I'm gonna go and do it. And I, I get that. That's I think how a lot of, you know, people with that bit of competitive itch, it gets like, Well, I know I can do better than than that.
2: Right, right. It's I mean, I've always
3: been pretty competitive in anything I do,
2: either consciously or subconsciously. And I think for me it was just it was just something else that I just wanted to get better at or learn from or, or was just the curious George inside, you know. I just wanted to check it out. But sometimes now I, I mainly do ultras, I guess, at least, although this next year I'll be doing more half 25k type distance. It's probably a better shorter distance runner than I am at the long stuff. But the cool thing about going along is you just get to see so much more if you're willing to, you know, go further into the mountains or down the trail or down, you know, wherever you're exploring. Now you can do a ton of mileage and go really long on the same like 10K loop if you wanted to, but but being able to discover more about what's out there, I think, is is priceless in a sense, you know, and by your own two feet, it's pretty amazing.
1: You I mean, you had quite a bit of success as as an ultra runner as well, or in a, in a tr- competitive trail runner after, after college. Can you chat a little bit about that?
2: Sure. You know, so it started with shorter distance races. Um, and I do, I had done quite a few pretty much all over the place, you know, shortly after I started doing the trail running, um, in Colorado Springs, I took a job with innovate, uh, the trail shoe company, um, with their U S distributor up in, uh, right outside Boston, Massachusetts, actually in Southboro, where Boston Marathon actually is is close to starting. It starts right next door in Hopkinton. But, um, and I did a bunch of races up in the New England area, like Cranmore and Loon. And um, if you've ever heard of those, they do a lot of U.S. championships up there for 10K or 8K. Um, And so, you know, I had a blast doing that and kind of really got um, pulled in that way because they were all Distances that I was used to, or at least closer to being used to, in college cross country when you'd run more of a six k or an eight k. So I understood that and did that for quite some time. Um, and then I eventually moved back out to uh, Oh, Colorado, the Carbondale area to take a job with Runner Magazine, and that's kind of when I eventually uh, decided to start doing ultra running. But you know, I had the chance to do the USA um, Track and Field. 10k trail championships which were down in North Carolina this was like back in 2010 but um I was able to win that race and that was a, a really exciting and special moment for me because when I was in college all I ever wanted to do was hopefully one day make a U.S. team or or run on a level that was a USA championship and and so you know this wasn't track this wasn't road but it was trail and to to win that race meant a whole, a whole lot to me. And I got to attend um, the world long distance championships um, in Switzerland. And that was, we utilized the Young Frau Marathon. And that was a, that was a great race. We actually won that race as well. So it was neat to bring home like a a first place world long distance champion uh, medal. So it was kind of like that dream that had been fulfilled of getting to run on the US. A USA team at some point in, in my career of running. So, with ultra running, you know, the first ultra I ever did was actually the 50K, um, uh, the speed goat race that uh, Carl puts on. And it was a lot, <laughs> but it was great. It was kind of like, how can things get any worse than this? This thing has a ton of vert and was pretty gnarly, but I got through it and um, it was a great time. And I, again, it was, I got hooked and wanted to continue to, to float along with the ultra distances. And then eventually, you know, I think my favorite ultra is actually the silver rush 50 mile up here in Leadville. I've run that twice and was lucky enough to win it both times. And then um, I've had a chance, you know, to race, uh, geez, let's see where else. Um, I was invited out to Iceland to run the Lagervager, uh 55 K and you know, I had a, a great race there. Uh, I came in first of that race and it was in one of the worst weather conditions they ever had. They almost canceled it, but, um, they decided to keep it. And I've learned that I think I do better in cold and, you know, wet, nasty conditions than I do the heat. So it was kind of up my alley, but, um, of course, then I decided, well, what's after, you know, 50 K 50 miles. So I jumped to the 100 100- uh k distance and my first 100k was actually the CCC out at the UTMB in France and I was lucky enough to come in for a fifth place finish there and be the first American of that race which uh, was really important to me. Um, it was kind of funny though I was trying to make I wanted to put my name in the hat for Western States and I knew I had to for a 100k race I think you have to be under 16 hours and. The CCC was like 25,000 plus feet of, it was just, it's, it's a gnarly race. It's great. It's beautiful. It's fun, but there's a lot of climbing. And I remember looking at the lists of all the qualifying races, like, it's like, holy crap, how is this like a 16 hour cutoff? Like I had come in fifth. I was the first American and I was kind of like, holy crap, how is this even possible to be a, you know, um, you know, count for one of their races when you can barely even get into to have a finish but then I saw the the following year then I think it was like just finish the race and it counts as a qualifier but <laughs> I <Okay>. but I'd, <laughs> I'd finished that race I remember my watch died and I was coming around you know the finish shoot and I remember looking at the timer you could see in advance and it was 15:59 like 45 <laughs> you know? oh no and I had no idea my my watch had died by that point point. and I was like holy crap thank god I got it you know so <laughs> It was just, it, it was just funny and, but I was so glad to see them like the next year. they like, it was just like, you just needed to finish the race versus hit a time. I don't know if it's still that way. I haven't looked since, but, but I was like, oh no, you know, I can't believe I'm all the way out here. All this other stuff's happening, but how the heck that was, that was really exciting. And after that, then, um, I eventually moved to do a few hundreds and ran Western and I've run Leadville, just those two. Um, and I'm, I'm very happy to have finished them, but, I would say the 100 mile distance is the distance that I need to I'm not happy with yet and would like to go back and and do that again until I feel like I've I've put my all out there. So. Um,
3: so, yeah, so there's there's some fun tidbits, I suppose. A hundred milers are such a different game. Like even if you're nailing 100 K's like it sounds like you totally were 100 miles, all of a sudden it's, you know, 40 more miles and stuff tends to go wrong. <laughs> They're really hard. I think people sometimes underestimate. I mean, I do.
2: Oh, for sure.
3: <laughs> Always. It's,
2: like, it's an eating game, you know, and that's, you know, that's that's what I discovered long ago when I first was like, oh, I'm going to try this ultra stuff. It You know, you just go slow for a lot of miles, but it's not, it's not that. You got to, it's about controlling your stomach and, and the other parts of your body. It's just not pure, sheer, just use your legs and that's it. Put your head down and motor. You, you've got to fuel your body and... that's the trickiest part you know although some people figure it out in no time and i'm very jealous of all of them (laughs) i'm like how did you do that you're lucky um and it's different for everybody but if you can if you can get your your gut right i think i think you can get away with running a better hundred if your gut is better than your your uh, physicality in terms of training if you can put food in and you can motor along at whatever pace I think you're better off than somebody training their butt off and being the best shape of their life. But if they can't, it's like, if you can't put fuel in the car, the car won't go. So you got to, you know, figure that part out. But that's where it's kind of fun, too. It's a big puzzle piece. And I think that's what makes it kind of attractive, because anything can happen, you know, totally.
3: Do you have any desire to do more hundreds? Or if so, which which ones? Oh, totally. So, I mean, I would love to go
2: Back to Western States one day if I, you know, I'm lucky enough to get into the lottery, or who knows if I can get a golden ticket. I was lucky enough to win two golden tickets at one point, but I don't know if that will happen again. But, um, and same, I would like to go back to Leadville living right down here in BV, which is about 40 40 miles, 30 miles south of Leadville. It's like the backyard race, so, um, and it's a running race for the most part, you know, you're high, but the terrain's pretty runnable. and. With my background i like speed i like to move in that sense so um so it makes that really attractive but there's one this this will probably be a shocker but there's one race i really want to do and it's the black hills 100 in south dakota um i don't know what it is about it but i really want to go i really want to go do that 100 and it happens to fall on the same weekend as uh western states and currently the past two years and i'll be doing it in this year but I go out to Western States and I put on a uh, women's panel and just to talk about different things about Western States, but then just women's topic, uh, women's uh, topics within the sport in general also. And so I'm like, oh, man, you know, it just can't be at two places at the same time. But one day I'd really like to do the Black Hills 100 in South Dakota. I got a chance to visit that area. When, it was the first road trip I took when I quit my job at Trail, uh, trail Runner Magazine to go explore and play professional runner. If, if you want to call that a thing, um, you know, money in it isn't that great for most people, only a few, you know, I think make it big, but anyway, side note, um, I really fell in love with the black Hills when I was out there. It just happened to be a a part of this big loop I was doing. Um, a, a couple of friends, uh, were going out there to camp and to, uh, just, Check it out, and we had a blast. And so I think that experience just kind of really turned me on to the area. It's really rolling, but the hillsides are beautiful. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like a little hidden gem. I don't think people give that area enough credit, but there's a lot out there, and that's kind of the the fun of exploring to find those areas.
1: You see, you touched on this a little bit, but you're you're doing pretty pretty well at a lot of these things, like fifth place at CCC and first American. Was there a point where you kind of thought, you know, maybe I maybe I should make a go of this or see what it looks like to try to do this full-time professionally? Or were you kind of like, that's just not a real realistic idea for me?
3: It's
2: well, that's it's kind of funny you say that. So when I left Trailrunner Runner magazine, I'd worked there about two years, and then the reason why I had decided to really leave was because I wanted to see what I would be able to do if I put 100% of my time into training. And, and so I did that for a little bit. Um, I think I had gotten a coach more towards the end of that process. Um, uh, and and she was super helpful. She was great, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of had a good time doing it, but I needed other things to keep myself busy. So it wasn't too long after I jumped out of the office nine to five style thing into doing contract work. And that's when I started working for Jolbo, um, working with the athlete side of things there. Um, and they were based up in in Vermont and then um, started working with Ultimate Direction, same thing, um, athlete manager and doing other little marketing objectives or, or uh, promotions, if you will. And then eventually then jumped on board with Vasque as well to kind of do the same thing. But these were all, you know, remote work where I was able to kind of still do the passion and, you know, train as hard as I wanted to, but yet, you know, have some kind of more solid income versus trying to make it off of sponsor dollars and things like that. But, you know, I knew I had, I know I have speed. I know I can do some things, but I don't know, at least at my age now, I'm 36. I don't, I don't have, it's hard to actually say, but like my competitive drive and my heart in that sense of wanting to chase after it and give it everything I've got in that sense. I don't know if I have that anymore. I feel like that time is probably past, but I'm okay with what I did in the time frame where all I could think about was race, 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 you know, or compete or win or the next big thing or, but you know, that's, but that's life, right? Everything changes, everything shifts. And, you know, starting trail sisters and, and creating that is kind of, I don't want to say replaced or filled the void, but because it's different, but I don't need to have a bunch of wins or feel like that. I need that in my life anymore where I can have an influence or purpose or do things for the sport in another way that that's almost more fulfilling for me.
1: What is the do you remember this sort of process that led you to going, hey, I'm going to I'm going to buy a website URL and I'm going to do this i'm gonna do this thing i'm gonna you know have a place for people for women to tell stories about trail running and create this resource for people did you kind of sit down with a piece of paper at some point or was it kind of just sort of gradually uh percolating and and one day you finally just said hey i'm gonna do it or what was that process like for you
2: Sure. You know, it, that came through over, well, came through time um, and it was a process. I talked to a few friends about it, um, about the idea. One of my, my real, my, one of my closest friends and the, the girl that actually was my, or is my real trail sister, Ashley Arnold, who she also worked at trail runner magazine. while I was there, she was the associate editor. Um, And so, so I did um, ad sales. She was associate editor but then we were also housemates but and then we were also training you know whenever we weren't working or doing anything else in the community we were running so we were trail sisters we were so close we we're like sisters you know we we're best buddies at times and other times you just you know you could scream at each other because you were so close so um the idea came about kind of from that experience and then since we both worked at a magazine together kind of had the idea of, okay, how to put something together in terms of like a journal or written content or the, the value and the effect it could have. So all that was kind of in the back of my head. And then one day I decided, you know, there, there should be more for women in this space. We're not doing enough to encourage them to get outside and to, you know, enjoy the trails and to feel as if this area is for them as well. Um, so I decided contacted seven good friends, asked if they'd write an article that either was inspirational, educational, or empowering. And then we'd load these articles onto the website. We'd all promote it through our social outlets. And hopefully people would read them. And if they liked it, you know, we would come up with more content and go from there. And so that's really how it started. We did one article per week um, for about, you know, a month. I think everybody pretty much contributed enough for a few months or almost a year. And through that process, People would read them and they'd write, you know, asking if they could be a contributor, if they could share their story, and then, you know, more and more people start contributing. So it's, you know, a crowdsourced platform essentially. Any and every woman can share their story, and they don't have to be a seasoned veteran in terms of, you know, an editor or journalist or whatever. It could be your first blog post ever, or you know, you can have written for all kinds of different publications. The whole point is just having a variety of voices and experiences that can guide others and make others feel, you know, welcome to, to the sport.
3: From your experiences and kind of what you've been working, like, have you seen a lot of the inequalities or kind of like, I don't want to say discrimination, but like there is a a gender gap in trail running and in running in general, but how has your experience kind of shaped your views on that and like what you feel trail sisters does to fill that and like, How other people can help, I guess. Sure. You know, so when I started it,
2: you know, one of the other reasons why I was starting it was because of some of the jobs I had held. And it doesn't reflect on those companies or those, you know, those people or something like that is I had a really good opportunity to, to be deeply involved with the industry in multiple ways between, you know, all within the marketing PR ish area, if you will. And then Competing at a high level, I had that same side. You know, I could see it as an athlete. So I felt really well. I feel very privileged, or if you, if that's the right word, that I was able to see so much from many different angles, more so than most folks. You know, some people might only see the sport from an athlete perspective, or maybe just from working for a brand, or just working for a publication, like. But I've seen, for, you know, from the brand, from the publication, from the athlete, like from PR, from ads, you know. And I was so, um, put it nicely, <laughs> pissed off. And that's nicely at what our industry was doing and how, and how we were speaking to consumers that I figured, well, I could sit here and I can complain about it or I can do something about it. And so that's why I started it um and trail sister's name like i said came from the relationship i had with ashley and and that but you know i couldn't help but wonder if if we were encouraging and talking to this other demographic all these you know the the brands the media everybody in the industry would do better we'd all do better if we just worked together and we'd spoke to everybody But, you know, people don't like to change things. People like to do what feels comfortable or what's safe. Um, And so I think by engaging a different audience and making them understand that the playground is for them as well, you know, you get more race participants, you sell more gear, you can sell more magazines, you can educate people. We could take care of the environment a lot better if more people understood, you know, what the environment meant. If you don't talk to them, you don't engage them, you don't make them feel welcomed, I mean, we're all just <laughs> paddling in a boat getting nowhere. It's just, it's kind of
3: silly. No, I think it's really important because it is something I think the deeper you get in the industry, like if you're aware of it, you're like, oh man, this is all kind of off. And like, especially as a woman, you're like, you know, do I fit here? Or even like if you're, you know, just trying to get outside, but you're only seeing, you know, companies supporting men, it is like, well, maybe that's not my place. Mm -hmm. And it
2: it doesn't, it's never like, and for Trail Sisters and in general, it's not about, you know, him versus her, her versus him. It's not, you know, guys versus girls. It's nothing like that. Like there's enough for everybody to enjoy it. And by trying to create um, more opportunity for women doesn't mean that we have to take opportunity away from men it doesn't, we can just create more. There's space for more. That doesn't, you know, I think some people think, oh, you just, you want to take away things from us so that you have more for you. And like, no, 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 (laughs) not at all. You know, Hey, like I appreciate so much, like my husband, for instance, like he's obviously he's, you know, I hope he's my, my biggest fan, but who knows? I might be my biggest fan actually. (laughs) No, um, but you know, like he sees it and it took him a little while to understand everything I think I was getting at. And, but now that he, he understands it and he sees that, like, it's, it's really important to have the support of, you know, guys as well. You know, it can't just be, oh, women for women. We need everybody to be on board. We need everybody to understand that, hey, we can help each other. And through that, we can do a lot more great stuff. But it's, it's really hard to convince some people of that or, or just to even have them, um kind of open up their mind to, to at least understand you're listening to the other side. But when it comes, when it comes to brands and things like that, you know, to, to create a new consumer costs more than to keep a, you know, a reoccurring consumer, you know, if they already have a loyal member, it's cheaper for them to invest in keeping them there than for them to go out and find a new market. Um, to me, I'm like, all right, that's fine. You can go by the rules of business or whatever, but like, then you're only going. You're always going to limit yourself to a certain bucket or your certain reach. At some point, you know, you got to go for big risk brings big reward, or maybe you don't do it, you know. But at some point, something's got to change. Something's got to shift. And I think more and more companies and um, organizations are are making an effort. To bring in, you know, uh, more different demographics, or to make things more engaging for everybody, so you are seeing that participation rise. You're seeing more products being made
3: and more, more articles and outreach. You know, so we recently had on Caleb Efta, who's the race director for High Lonesome, and I'm sure you've heard all about how they're doing a 50 50 lottery for male and females. I, I know that's like it kind of ties into the idea of what you're saying of like. The negative feedback I've heard from it has been from men who haven't gotten in, um, who then are mad because something's getting taken away from them, which that's fair. I'd be pissed if I didn't get in a race too, part of lotteries. But what do you kind of think about, like, how races are doing lotteries? Because that's a huge conversation.
2: Well, it's it's interesting. I actually just had a conversation kind of about this and some other things um, on a trail run with a friend just the other day. I think what's unique about High Lonesome, and, and I'm a fan of Caleb and, Kel- and Kelsey. I think, you know, kudos to them. They've created a great event. Um, I think this is their fourth year. And so I know they're, they're still developing their race. They're still doing all kinds of different things. Um, and I think because their race is young, they can create any version of a lottery or a system where participant, or participants can, you know, come into the race in whatever the way they want you know they're not they're not 20 years into some kind of standard uh way of participation or, or entry process they they've got a lot of room for flexibility and and creativity to be honest um now there's a lot of races that don't do a lot of you know can't necessarily just hey we've been doing this for like 30 years and we're just going to go do 50 50. i think what they're doing is unique and it's interesting but I think they have the room to do that because they are a newer race. I don't think it's as easy for races that have um, have had lotteries for quite some time to just change their um, their way of doing things or their history or their tradition just because one other race um, decides to to do that as their as their style. I don't see anything wrong with it. I just don't think it's something that you know, is an easy shift or easy trend for any and all other races using lotteries to, to you know, take on that same same style. But um, to each their own, you know, like I said, I think it's it's cool. They have the flexibility and creativity to do it. It's, it's different, it's new, it creates buzz and it does produce more opportunity for a certain demographic. But um, yeah, I think, I just think it's kind of unique.
3: Yeah, no, that sounds, I, I agree. It is, it is hard with those races that are so long standing. And I saw recently that you're now on the Hard Rock Board of Directors, which maybe ties into what you're saying about that, <laughs> like long-standing lottery system. So it is interesting with the newer races, they totally have the ability, which I think it's important to note that. But t- will you talk to us a little bit about working now with Hard Rock and kind of how that's going to shape out for you? Sure. I mean, I,
2: I literally, they just did the, they they have, you know, a, a few meetings per year and, um, there were some spots up for renewal and whatnot. And, um, they were going, they were thinking about bringing on a, I think a 12th member. And, um, I'd been asked if I would be interested and you know, and I was nominated to be on, on that list of, of folks. And so I was voted in on, um, I think it was the 11th. And so I haven't had a chance to, obviously do anything in terms of meeting or talk where I'm going to be onboarded <laughs> shortly, if you will. Um, I think our first meeting is on May 23rd, which will be great. I'll probably have conversations before that, but, um, but I'm really excited. You know, I think the reason, you know, I, I would assume I was voted on was because of maybe some of my outlooks, um, on the, on the sport and progressive attitude. Just you know, create some change, but I also very much do respect history and tradition. So for me, you know, I want to be able to present ideas and suggestions of kind of what we can do to continue to make the sport a very impressive and uh, leader in, in the race, you know, race arena, I guess. Um, and not just here in the U S but, you know, on a global scale um, and what else, you know, can Hard Rock do essentially, not just here in Silverton, but, you know, across the globe? What other things can can we have influence on? But, um, and then also, you know, how can we accommodate participants and, and, and make things maybe, I don't want to say easier to, you know, for people to get in, but what, what things can we do that, you know, might change chances or allow for other opportunities. And, you know, out of respect to the board, and I haven't even had a chance to really do anything with them yet. But I do have ideas and suggestions, but I will wait to share them with, you know, the board first before speaking publicly about those, because that would probably be inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm there to, to try to do things. And, you know, it's if the board votes for something great, and if they don't, then so be it. But my main goal is to suggest things and come up with good ideas or better ideas to improve what's already there, but also to hold, um, the, hold the, the history and the traditions that they have. I don't ever want any of that to get lost because that's kind of what makes Hard Rock Hard Rock. But there can be progressive ways and creativity that any race could do or take on to make that race better. So not just Hard Rock, but every race has room for improvement. So, so that's what I'm excited to, to bring to the table But yeah, so it's all brand new. I haven't got a chance to do too much yet, but I'm really excited for the opportunity.
3: Yeah, I think it's awesome that you're going to be part of that board. And I think it's going to be fun to see what kind of shapes up.
1: So Gina, the first time I heard of Trail Sisters, I was signing up for a race, uh, the Mines of Spain 100K back in my home state of Iowa that a buddy of mine kept selling me hardcore on. And I was on the registration page and I was like, saw the logo that it's trail sisters approved. And I said, well, what is this? And I clicked over and like, Oh, that's, that's really cool. Um, equal podium spots. I'm just going to read the bullet points right off your website, equal prize money and awards, women specific swag and apparel, menstrual products at aid stations, equal opportunity slash space for women on the starting line. And immediately I thought, Oh, this is probably something I should get behind. And, uh, I started donating to your Patreon.
2: Thank you. Yeah, <laughs>
1: for sure. I mean, It's like one of those small things you can kind of do, but I'm, yeah, I'm curious. I don't, so there's a bunch of different things that trail sisters does that I'd like to talk about. And I'm not sure what order you started doing them in, but this seems like it's like, it's sort of, uh, taking, I mean, there's like 150 races that you have that are trail sisters approved. Um, do you remember what the first one was where you said, Hey, we'll give you this logo if you just do these things or where where was there resistance to it? Or do you ask people and they're like, ah, maybe next year or how does that work?
2: Well, one of, you know, when we came up with the five standards, we actually, so we spoke to um, a bunch of different athletes, you know, racers, if you will, and also uh, different races and the RDs, Western States was actually one of them. And, you know, uh, they were all for it and kind of getting, getting their blessing and their, their thoughts on it meant a lot to me. And so they were one of the first races to, to say, Hey, we want to do it and be, you know, do this trail sisters approved and sign off on it. And, um, also, uh, Ethan Newberry's tiger claw race was another one that was one of the first ones as well. But I, I, I distinctly remember those two. And then, um, yeah, from there we kind of got the word out and more and more folks kind of, you know, once being able to explain it to them, um, you know, the whole idea of those five standards are created so that they're easy to implement and essentially they shouldn't really cost anything. I mean, a, buying a box of tampons and pads really isn't that much money. You know, you know, bill every participant extra like 10 cents, you know, <laughs> like to cover the cost. But it's, it was something that every race director should be able to do and it shouldn't be a pain or hard for them to implement. But yet, you know, having those things in place really can make a better race experience or race day for everybody involved at the race, not just, you know, select participants. And that's kind of the whole point. You know, we'd love to put in, you know, sets so like the standard right now, but we'd love to do a phase two for people who want to go above and beyond, like for instance, like offering childcare, things like that. But but we'll see. Right now the goal is just to get as many people, you know, on board with this uh TS approved standard as possible. And it's free. It's not like Something they have to pay to do it or something. It's, it's not supposed to be like that at all. It just something for the, the good of the participants and the, the community. So
3: with the standards, are you guys like reaching out to races or are they reaching out to you? How does that kind of work?
2: A little of both. Um, so, you know, I, I have a, a pretty large, uh, group of, local groups and also our team members. So we have 640 women on our trail sisters community team. And at this point we about 95 local groups, um, across the country. And, uh, so, you know, I write to them and ask them to share it with their local race directors. Here's some, you know, content, you know, here's the link, share this, see if you can get, you know, tell your, your local races about this and let's get them involved. And a lot of our local group web pages and things like that, um, you know, people want to post about their local races on these pages. And I might have my my local leaders or members might have thought I was a total asshole. But I was like, hey, you know, like, because I try to be really good with our our group pages, they shouldn't be marketplace um, setting. So it shouldn't be all about services or ads for, you know, uh, products or services. Like, you know, it's just about, hey, getting together, learning about one another and going for runs. But I'm like, hey, I get it. You want to support your local race? We'll tell them, you know, to get TS approved. And then, and then, you know, you can post about the race on the page. And so some people were okay with that. Some didn't like it, but, you know, I thought, Hey, this is for the good of all runners. It's not that big of a deal. And so things kind of went that way. Um, my husband and I had spent many, 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 many hours surfing (laughs) the internet, um, finding email addresses of race directors, and then sending out mass email, um, educating them on what we were doing. And, sharing the site and and that definitely has helped bring more people into it. And uh, you know, it's just word of mouth. The more people that post about it or share, it you know, somebody else sees it and they share it and so it's kind of grown like that. It's probably about time for us to do another push to the race directors that haven't responded though. <laughs> so
1: especially since you have so many races that are now that are not they're not small name races either. I mean, it's like a big deal. So I feel like feel like it's like peer pressure at this point, maybe.
2: Right. I hope so. (laughs) No, that sounds awful. But yeah, you know, like having the support of definitely, you know, some really well-known races, you know, it does help set a standard stage of, hey, you know, it's, it's, if these people are on board, anybody should be on board, you know, and the biggest pushback we usually get is uh, with the shirts, some, you know, smaller races, like, hey, it costs us more money to be able to get a smaller minimum of women's shirts because we don't have the same participant, you know, and I, and I get that that's tough, but we're, we're trying to come up with some um, remedies as to actually how to help them out uh, specifically on getting those produced at a cheaper rate. So, um, because, you know, we don't want the whole idea isn't to make people have to pay more money to make the standard work, but we do think it's really important to have both men's and women's specific stuff. I mean, it's like, Hey, you go to a store and somebody tells you you have to buy a shirt and You're only allowed to pick from the men's shirts, but you're a chick. And it's kind of like, well, this sucks. I have to give you money for something I can't wear. I swear to God, that's the only reason why those like quilt, you ever see like, hey, we'll take your race shirts and make quilts? I think that's why they exist because so many women can't fit into the race shirts. So it's like, hey, let's do quilts for our beds, you know? Yeah. Which they're cool. They're cool. But I'm like, I think that's why they're in business.
1: So. I know I've gotten some. I gotten some ugly ones too, where I'm like, "Boy, <laughs> not gonna wear this." But thank you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you know, I think from some of the first races I've done, I always I wanted to keep the shirt because it was important to me. You know, it was a piece of memorabilia from that event, that experience. But it just hung out in my drawer, in my closet, forever, never seen the light of day because um, I didn't want to toss it because it was important, but I couldn't even show it off or utilize it or I don't know. It, it's kind of sad. And and actually for the race, you know, that's a great way for more promotion for your event. But if half the people can't wear the thing you're using as an advertisement, it's not doing them any good anyway.
1: I, I wonder if they just get the ones that don't say the year on them, but they just get many different colors. Oh, anyway, that's logistics. But
3: Yeah,
2: but that's but no, that's a really good point. We've actually told people do that. Like, don't put the race here on it. Like, don't do that. You know, do something different where you can use if you have to big and buy in big bulks. Like, don't put the race here on it. Use it again for next year. And, you know, so be it. But but that would help give no. out the
1: blue ones this year, give a save the green ones for next year. And yeah, whatever. there you go. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think about these things sometimes. So, um, so you touched on this a little bit too, but there's um, you mentioned the trail sisters, local groups, and there are dozens, um, not just in the U S at this point, but was that um, a pretty early extension of what you were doing? Uh, or, or did that come about pretty early on where, people said, hey, I would like to get together with other people? Or how did that come about?
2: Sure. So local groups started around October of 2018. So, you know, a little over a year now. So first off, when I started Trail Sisters, it was, I just envisioned it as an online journal. Um, But then all of a sudden, things started to change and grow. And, you know, I just kept realizing, like, what else can I, what else can I possibly do? And so um, to make things better or to present more opportunity um, or more ways of participation and so I would get messages hey well how do is how do I can I meet trail sisters in my area or can I you know and I was like oh there's really no way to do this because we're just a digital platform that's providing information and in, encouraging women so I got a little a little nervous about it because you know all right if I'm going to host these runs I have to I spoke with a lawyer and you know, the whole, the whole thing of like liability and waivers. And so, you know, so we got that dialed and I was like all right, let's go for it. Let's just create um, local groups that are driven by volunteers that, you know, sign an agreement to doing these certain rules and regulations, making sure active participants that do official trail sisters runs, they sign the waiver of, li- you know, um, to releases of any liability, you know, and just go at it and cross our fingers, everything works out. Um, and so that's kind of how it started. And our first local group was actually, um, Iowa city. Uh, so, and her name is Kelly Teeslink, and she's actually very good friends with, uh, the race director of mines of Spain. But, um, yeah, she's actually put on, they've actually had a trail sisters aid station within his race, I think for two, the past two years now. But, um, uh, so that's kind of how it started. You know, I, I, she had a, she had a group and then I put it out there as, Hey, if you'd like to start a group you know, we're going to start opening it up and I'd get interest and then I'd vet the women the best I could. And before you knew it, you know, or before I knew it, we, we, now we have 95 groups and it's, it's ebb and flow, you know, some start and really get rolling. Some don't get the traction that you hope they do and not for any one particular reason. So it's kind of, you know, some start and then some kind of fade away. But um, what's really cool to see is how many have started in a little over a year and within these groups, they're not all active uh, running participants, but we probably have about, I don't know, 18,000 to 20,000 members in these groups. And so that's pretty impressive when you think about, wow, look at all the interested people in the sport that might not have had a chance to learn or be encouraged or even meet others otherwise. So I don't know, it's, it's a really cool thing to watch happen and, and continue to progress.
1: Yeah, it's one of those good things that happens because of the internet, actual community, yeah, people think. meeting in person.
3: Thank you, internet. <laughs> yeah, I <know>. yeah, seriously.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, the internet doesn't get all the credit, but you know.
3: Right, right. <laughs> so I guess for people listening, if they wanted to get involved or like maybe try to find a group to meet up with that's like a Trail Sisters group, um, do you have like some recommendations for people wanting to get involved?
2: Sure. So the best thing to do is just visit trail and then hit the community tab and then click on local groups and then see if there's a local group near you. There's a few more that we just added that I don't have on the site yet, but that's kind of where our directory is, if you will. Um, So, and everything right now though, is based on the Facebook platform. But um, my other half, Justin is currently working on um, creating all the local group platforms to be on our site so we can control a little bit more. Sometimes with, you know, social platforms, you never know what will change or what can happen. And so eventually they'll all be on our site, which will be a little easier to manage too. But, um, but yeah, so the best way is just to check out the local groups tab and see if there's one near you. And if there isn't, and people are, you know, interested in starting one themselves um, would just be to contact me and they can do that through the website as well. Sweet. That's awesome. Thanks. Just trying to do what I can. It's it's interesting. Every day there's 10 more ideas and then it's just like, all right, I know I'd like to do all these, but how much can I manage and do it well? It's, it's really easy to put yourself in a hole by doing way too much. But, um, you know, when you're passionate about something and you really want to see change for the good and for everybody, it really does motivate you to kind of do more sometimes than you think you actually have the bandwidth for. Um which is, which is actually really cool. Sometimes it's stressful, but at the end of the day, man, it, it makes you feel like what you're doing is, I don't know, it feels really good. And it, it keeps pushing you to do more and more each day. I think it's
3: um, contagious, if you will. Totally. That's a good way to look at it too. Cause I mean, just from my perspective, I think what you guys are doing is super important. I'm sure from Brendan's too, like he said, but Like, for me, at least, I know when I first saw about it and did some research, I was like, oh, that's actually really cool. And really, like, a great way to get more women out and involved and have a network, even if it's just through social media. Like, I feel like sometimes just that hashtag, like, Trail Sisters, when I click on it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, look how many cool women there are. This is awesome.
2: Yeah, you know, like... It's it's great to vet these women, and they kind of you know there are rules and standards or regulations, as you could say, that um, you know I ask them to go by, because there has to be unif you know a uniform kind of standard for what is a trail sisters group. Um, but these these group leaders and the women in these communities have done so many cool things and things that you know I'm they tell me about. I'm like, holy crap, that's great. We should make this a standard across the board, but you know, they'll, they'll do trail maintenance days or trail building days within their local communities. They do potlucks. They do like holiday, they do Christmas light type runs where they can see all the holiday lights, Halloween, they dress up, you know, Thanksgiving, they have potlucks or it just, a lot of them have even implemented, um, runs where it's total, like they're beginner friendly. Well, they're everyone friendly, I should say, but sometimes you still have people are a little intimidated or nervous. So Some of them will do runs where it's, hey, we're only going a mile to two miles tonight, you know, and if it's your first, like it's a perfect first timer, come out and try it. We're not doing anything crazy. It's park trails, you know, you can walk it, you can run it, but they do so many amazing things um, that just, I think, really help to inspire the women in their community, not just to do things outdoors, but just to also create more camaraderie between the people that live in those local communities. Um, you know, running is important, sure, and that's what we're talking about, but there's so much more to life than running and having solid friendships and people in your life. They, whether you run, you kayak, you climb, whatever, having those people there to support you and be on board with you, that's what, that's what matters the most. You'll enjoy whatever it is you're doing if you're with the right folks. And I think you find the right folks by spending time with them and learning about them and, and encouraging one another.
1: Yeah, that's got to feel good when you see all those things happening because you decided to get a website a few years ago.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I had no idea that I'd be doing this today. You know, when it was a passion project, something on the side, and now it's okay. I'm going to make it a full-time job. And, you know, it, we, we make it, you know, barely, but we can do it, you know, but, um, and we want to make it a stronger full-time job, obviously. That's a normal human thing, I guess, but like, it's, it's morphing every day kind of, you know, here's a a fun, a fun thing that we're planning on doing that nobody knows about yet, but I think we're going to have our first race this later this year here in Buena Vista, but we're working on the permits right now, but that's breaking news. There you go. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. When, when do you think it's going to be? Um, the date we're aiming for, well, the date, if it, you know, so, assume we get the permit um, will be August 29th. It's a Saturday.
1: Sweet. Matt, Maddie's, I was going to say Maddie's checking her <laughs> calendar and she's like, what's the prize money? I think I'm going like, to I'm gonna go uh, for this.
3: It's, it's already, no. Okay. It's already written okay. in. I'll be there. Definitely
2: more information to come on that. But it was just this past weekend that we kind of um, touched base on a few things that I think, you know, make it possible for us to go down that route. Like I said, permit pending, you know, so um, but I think hopefully we, we can work that out. But I'm really excited that for me, that's kind of almost like, you know, our mission is to grow women's participation and opportunity through inspiration, education, empowerment. And to me, like one of the things I can like the tipping point or the like the, the summit, the peak of it all is, is actually creating an event that brings up participation creates opportunities like I don't know what else I can possibly do to better you know capitalize on that mission statement or to do exactly what that is so putting on a race I feel like hits all those buckets and obviously we want to do some fun things alongside of the race with maybe some fun events throughout the weekend but ah oh, lots of planning <laughs> yeah. lots of more things to do but it's it's so much fun that it doesn't ever really feel like work it's 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 just exciting
1: so is that, is, uh, is it going to be a women's only race or are you going to do women's and men's race?
2: It is going to be a women's only race, at least, at least to start for this first year. Um, I'm like my, so right now my husband's outside walking the dogs. He'll probably yell at me later on when I tell him that I told you guys all this. He's probably like, no, you're not supposed to tell me that. But um, but the style of race we're aiming to do is a little different too. Um, so it will be a 50k distance, but what we want to do um, is you can have a team of five, four, three, two, or you can run it solo. Um, so it gives people the opportunity to do all kinds of different distances. Um, if you want to run a 50K, great. If you want to only do 10K, great. But it will be a 10K loop that has to be, you know, would be if you're doing 50K, you run that 10K loop five times. Or if you have a team of five, everybody... So a little bit of a unique perspective, but, you know, camaraderie and getting to know each other and having a fun time on, um, you know, at an event is, is kind of the main point for us. And so having uh, the ability to have people hang out in an area together for quite some time is, is really important to us instead of just being scattered throughout the day and not really seeing each other. So that's That's one of the reasons why we thought it'd be fun to do it this way. But um, I don't know. We'll see. we'll see. We'll see if people like that idea or not. <laughs> I think it sounds like a great
3: idea. I love the idea of being able to do it as a team, too. That encourages so many more people.
2: Right. You know, like like I said, we have a lot of people that are interested in the sport, but maybe don't know how to get into it, or they've been running, but they've never raced. You know, it's there's all kinds of things, all kinds of barriers or intimidation factors. But I think putting on an event in this fashion allows to, or helps to break some of those things down and, um, create less intimidation if if you're, if you allow for it, you know? So we try to come up with a way that could satisfy a bunch of different, um, needs or wants, if you will, or, or, or race styles, um, while still having a bunch of people together at the same event. Totally
1: you also have a uh, directory of female running coaches on the site, which is pretty self-explanatory. Um, but I also wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about the running retreats you're doing this year. Is this the second year?
2: This will be our third year. Um, yeah, so we we wanted to come up with a way where we could actually reach out and, and speak to people in person um, and kind of get them on board with just different experiences and educate them in a sense, that wasn't just, uh, you know, digital and have just a fun women's weekend, if you will. Um, and since I think I just left Boulder at the time, but I have lived in Boulder for about four years, and I knew the area well. And, um, you know, it's not far from a major airport, such as Denver, right. And so and you can even take a bus from Denver to Boulder, and then, you know, Uber to the um, the lodge if you want. But like, try to make it as easy peasy as possible. And, you know, Boulder is quite an amazing place to to check out the trails and has a lot of access to different athletes too, that I could bring in as special guests. Um, so I just thought, Hey, you know, why not? You know, I know running experiences, whether they're races or retreats or camps or just, you know, different um, trips people are taking. It's kind of a popular thing and I didn't see too many women's only retreats. And so it's like, well, heck, I think I can do this. And so I just kind of put it together, crossed my fingers, and we sold out uh, the first year I had it. We sold out, I think, within like 40 days of all 20 spots, which was, I'm, I'm tooting my horn on that one. That's impressive. Not many people sell their entire camp out the first year they do it, and especially within 40 days. So, um, and ever since we've, we've been, you know, moving right along. Last year we did two in Boulder. And one in um, the White Mountains, North Conway, New Hampshire. Um, but this year, we're just going to stick with two in Boulder. Um, it's just a little bit easier for me to do things closer to home. And to manage. there are so many working parts. Um, and so and we did a few little surveys and tests to see where people would mainly like to go. So we're just going to keep it here, I think. Um, but it's it's a blast. We utilize towns. So we get to show people Pearl Street and go downtown, but then we also get to use Chautauqua and the local uh, uh, mountains in the area, such as Green and Bear. We do Sunitas. And um, yeah, and we'll have special special guests. Again, this year, Courtney DeWalter will will come out to our June retreat and then um, Darcy PQ will uh, hang out with us in August for that retreat. I know our August retreat, we have like two spots left. And then in June, we only have mm, six to seven spots left so um they're almost filled which is you know always a good thing so yeah it's it's funny you know I I get to see all kinds of articles online about the best retreats out there and I'm like oh trail sisters never mentioned and then I'm like well I guess I'm not paying anybody to put my name in that so you know
1: (laughs) I guess it doesn't matter either I mean also also I'm like whatever (laughs) you have such a big channel too it doesn't necessarily matter like you have the you have a built-in audience now it's like you can sort of just promote it to the people who are already involved. You don't need to maybe reach. It doesn't need to be featured in some whatever magazine. But.
2: Right. No, that's that's true. It's nice to be recognized, though, if you feel yeah. like you're doing the things you should be doing. But, you know, it's here nor there. I used to live in that world and work in that industry, so I know, I know how it goes. Yeah. So that might be a story for another day, though. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Do you have anything... Anything else you want to mention? Uh, donate to the Trail Sisters Patreon, or are you a bad person? Or...
2: Yeah, I mean, hey, we would love all the all the help we can get. So, um, doing all the things we're trying to do is, is quite tough, and to continue to make advancements, so obviously, if people would like to donate and um, contribute a little bit to the to the site, or and you know, it's you know, yeah, sure, financial stuff always helps, you know for sure, it helps us to do a lot more than what we can do right now. But even if people want to just contribute an article or share a story, or just tell your friends that maybe you've never heard of Trail Sisters, check out trailsisters.net. That's all, like, there's there's a ton of ways um, people can actually help to just spread the message about Trail Sisters. So um, anybody is up for that, I appreciate it. And I know the rest of the community does too, because I kind of feel like I'm just one cog in the big community that is created. You know, I try to keep the wheels on, but it runs because of all the help of
3: everybody involved. So, yeah. I guess just to say thank you again to you and what you guys are doing and all of your community members. I think it's huge. I think it impacts a lot of people. So thank you guys for everything. And thank you, Gina, for your time today with talking to us about what you guys are doing and a bit about you.
2: Sure. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to you put up with me and my my (laughs) my tangents on our our talk today and also so you know for supporting trail sisters and and giving me a, a space to kind of explain a little bit more about it and thank you for you know just what you're doing with the podcast so keep that up thanks
0: thank you that's it for this edition of off the couch thanks to gina brendan and maddie for the conversation And you can go to trailsisters.net to learn more, and we will be sharing updates if Trail Sisters does host a race. I also want to say thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then we'd encourage you to subscribe to Off the Couch, tell your friends about the show, and leave us a nice little rating in iTunes. Until next time, keep moving forward. We will talk to you again next week.